And good morning. Welcome to Impact this morning. Everybody doing well? Anybody got their sweat on this morning? Anybody want to redo the worship part after that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Carrie, where are you? We're going to redo this? <laughs> yeah. Man, it's awesome. Isn't it great just to spend time just worshiping our God? He's good. And you know what it says in the Word? That any time that we praise Him, He inhabits the praises of His people. And so we're just thankful that, yeah, we get to worship Him, and yet He shows up every time. I'm so thankful for that. Well, this morning, we're going to get right into the Word of God. I know God's got a Word for us again, Impact. You believe it? I believe that every time the Lord, we gather together, the Lord always has something delicious for us. He lets the wild hogs eat around here. And if you're just kind of wondering, what is that all about? Well, be kind of an inside joke. What it is is that, you know, anytime something's real good, we had a, f- a friend of ours that said they were down in the south, and this lady got so excited about the preaching, so she said, let the wild hogs eat. And so what we just say is, like, we are the wild hogs, and we want to eat. We want to eat good. We want to get to the word, because God's got something for us today. Amen? All right, let's pray before we jump into it, and we'll get started. Father, we love you. With all of our hearts, we are so thankful for everything you've done through the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are so eternally grateful to you for who you are, your kindness being displayed through your son Jesus. And we, again, just open up our hearts wide to receive from him this morning. We thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you are here, you are in us, you are among us, and we just give you great respect, great honor that whatever you want to do in the service, whatever you want to do today, Father, you have complete access to us. We yield ourselves to you this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, this morning, again, just we're going to be getting into this in a couple weeks, but I've just been so stirred up. Again, just reminded about the seat that you and I have. I mean, if the church really understood the authority that we actually possess, it would change the way you live your life completely. When you understand that, who is an authority? We, the church, is. Because remember, the church is Christ's body on this earth. He's the head, and we are what? The body. When he raised the head up, what did he do with the body? He raised it up, right? When you think of somebody, you don't think, oh, okay, there's Joel and his head. You look at it and go, you think of Joel, and you think of, you think of the entire being, right? The whole body is there. The same way, well, it's the same way in God's perspective. When he raised the head, the body also came with him. So you and I, we are the Christ on this earth. And you and I possess great, tremendous authority while we're down here because of where we're seated. So this morning, I already clocked into my heavenly position. Anybody else clock in? You take your spot this morning saying, no, 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 we ain't going to have any. We already, we did that this past week. I mean, if it's just anybody wondering, we already took authority. COVID doesn't have any access into this place. Well, how can you say that? Because we in charge around here. This is our property. So we say it stops at the door. It has no access on this property in Jesus' name. Can you do that? You better believe we can. If we don't, who's gonna? God's been waiting on us. Anyways, I'm, I'm fine. Maybe a little stirred up, but I'm fine. I just know how good our God is. Now, let's get into the word this morning. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, I want you just to see this verse again. Satan will not outsmart us. Just say that with me. Satan will not outsmart me. <laughs> Just I like to make sure that he knows what we're talking about. You will never outsmart us. You will not outsmart me. You will not outsmart my family. Why? Because I'm familiar with your evil schemes. I know the plans. I know how you operate. You know, the same way that you even think, even, I know, um, in the fall, I don't really watch a whole lot of baseball until October hits. Yankees is my team. I really enjoy the Yankees. I've watched them for a long time. 
And when it comes I mean, kind of the end of the season, I want to make sure they get into the bow season. Because if not, I don't even spend the time. But anyways, during into this, I always, you know, just take a kind of an interest looking into some of these things. And again, whenever you have a pitcher or a batter, they're going head to head. Do you know how many times like there's scouts, the coaches that are looking at the different pitchers and they're like just kind of seeing what kind of balls do they throw? What kind of curveballs? What are the slides? What kind of, what do they got in their ammunition? And right, while they're going on, like there's signs going on left, right, and center all the time. And that's where you pick up, like, why am I? You think that it's just a song. No, they're, they're passing signals out to the batter to find out, hey, what kind of pitches he's going to be throwing. Why? So they're familiar with the pitches that are coming their way. Well, the same way with the enemy. We don't magnify him, but yet we're not stupid because he's very crafty, he's very subtle, and he's good at manipulating mankind. He's been doing it for 6,000 years. So clearly he has a bit of intel. He knows how we tick. So one of the ways that he understands that, you know, again, that mankind people operate, or that they don't operate, I should say, is under pressure. One of the schemes the enemy comes in is with pressure. It's an external pressure all from the outside. It all comes in, and you find the Bible constantly talking about this, specifically in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You find the Apostle Paul, we are pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but... Yet we still thank God that he gives us answers. I mean, this pressure comes and it's going to be coming daily more and more. Don't ever just try to look, I just need relief from all this pressure. Thank God there is. And his name is the Holy Spirit. Because he talks about greater is he that's living in you than he that is in this world. So there is this constant pressure. Again, what is this pressure that we are currently in now that we're seeing and facing now? This external pressure is you and I. The focus is, is looking to the government, looking at other people, either as the problem or the answer. Right. Neither is true. No person, no human being is going to relieve all of us, and therefore we're going to be finally set free from all this. No, 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 no. We, the church, we have the authority. Jesus has called you and I to now be part of the, what he wants to do in this earth. So that's one of the things. There's just this outside pressure. And again, why this pressure? He wants to get you and I out of our seat of authority, out of our place of victory that God purchased for us and seated you in heavenly places with his son. He wants you out of that seat because the spirit world, it knows authority. It operates completely by authority. Heaven is a dictatorship. And it's a great place because King Jesus is a good king. But hey, at the same time, the enemy understands he knows authority. And when you start operating in your God-given authority, he has to stop. He knows it. It's, remember the Bible, James chapter 4, verse 7. You resist, or sorry, submit yourselves unto God. Resist the devil. And what happens? He flees from you. He has to. Why? Spiritual authority is taken in place. So again, what we've been, we're going to get into and over these next couple of weeks and things is that a lot of times we're waiting for God to do something, and meanwhile, he's waiting for his church to awaken to the position that they have because they're in Christ Jesus, and now underneath his authority, we be the voice of God on this earth. That's what he's looking for, and that's what you and I are called to be of. And we're going to get more and more into this. I've just been sinking my teeth into this, and I'm just getting a little bit excited about it because there is so much, yeah, church, that we, uh, we got to be awakened to. This isn't a let's just hold on till Jesus comes kind of a mentality. We are here on an assignment and we will get the job done if we know our place of authority. And that's what we're called here for. Man, the more and more we go further into these days, the more and more clarity that this church, why we exist in Riverside Meadows, is we're here to be a voice for God in not only our city but also our province of the authority that Jesus has given us, spiritually speaking, in that realm. And let me just throw out this too. Last week's Sunday night, we had a time of prayer and just pressing in together. We had about 30 people or so come up, but I want to encourage you, 
Every, the first Sunday of every month, we're just taking time to press in on that. I encourage you, you, you need to be here. It's, it's not really just, a, oh, let's just, you know, kind of sit around and, you know, pray for one another. It's, it's all powerful. It's nice. Things happen. Things are taking place. Things are changing because, again, the body is operating in their place of authority. So anyways, now back to this. But again, the whole purpose is to get us out of that position. And Ephesians 6, 12, again, I want to just remind you of this verse. It says, your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. But we do have a hand, we have a combat. Ooh. Ooh. What's our combat? Our combat is with principalities, authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. You and I, we fight against them. Now, what is for us important to know? Again, I want to go over this stuff because this is, this is a lot of good things in this. I want you to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3 for a moment again with me. And I want to read verses 1 through 5 again because it's important that we know this. It's crucial that we know this. And part of really success, again, is knowing the season that we're in. We need to know the time of history that we're living in. We need to know the culture that we're living in. It's crucial that we know that because when we know the season that we're in, we're not going to be building a boat for a flood. That would be stupid. Why? Because there's not a flood coming. But in Noah's day, that was what's needed. So what's needed in 2021? What do we need to know in this season and this time? You need to be aware that in these final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. So we have to know this. Again, this was spoken 2,000 years ago, right? The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, he prophesied this and he said, this is what's going to happen, right? So you can't pray this away. You can't change this away. This is going to happen. And in fact, we're seeing it take place now, correct? Okay, look at this, verse 2. It says, people will be self-centered. They'll be lovers of themselves and obsessed. Say it with me, obsessed with what? Money. Obsessed with it. Now they will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. Verse 3. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander. Slaves to their desires, they will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and what is right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. (laughs) Okay. So this is the season I'm in. Verse 5, he says, they may pretend. Everybody with me, say it with me, pretend. This thing we're even teaching our kids, just because somebody throws a Christian thing on it, don't mean it's Christian. Just because somebody says, I'm a Christian, means absolutely nothing in this time. It means nothing until what? You prove it with the way that you're living. I'm a Christian. Prove it. Don't tell me. Prove it. Show me. So he says, these guys, they pretend. What does it mean to pretend? They put on a good mask. They put on a good fake, and they know how to, hey, they know how to talk the talk. They know how to speak Christianese. Oh, glory to God. In the oh, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking Praise the Lord. That's what I'm talking Hallelujah. They know all the sayings that are out there, yet they have, a, they have pretend to have this respect for God. But in reality, they want nothing to do with his power. His power. And so what do they say? Stay away from people like this. 
Now let's skip down to verse 13 here for a moment. It says, evil men and sorcerers, they will progress how? From bad to worse. What are they going to be doing? They themselves are deceived. That means they think they're right, but they're wrong. What's the problem with deception? You're deceived. You think you're right, but you're completely wrong. And so what are they doing? Being deceived, they are now deceiving. And it says that they lead people further and further away from the truth. So what do we do with this reality? Verse 14 again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to just bring this to your forefront of your thinking. But yet you, say me, me. yet me, yet I, I must continue to advance in strength with the truth wrapped around my heart, being assured by God of the one who has truly taught me these things. So now skip down, look at verse 16 here for a moment. And that's when he starts talking. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Verse 17. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. Now, church, this is, I believe this is a part of when I was, I was up really late last night just thinking on these verses and you and I, we need to still become more and more assignment-focused. We are here for a temporary human existence. You are, not, you are not sent here as a natural human being looking for a supernatural experience. You are a supernatural being temporarily sent here for a human existence. And with that being said, as a spiritual being that has been temporarily sent here from heaven, I have an assignment and my location is Red Deer. And what do I need to do? I need to wrap the truth of God's word around my heart to fulfill the assignment. We have to become assignment focused. Sir, yes, sir. What would you have me do? So it's not just I'm trying to survive in this time, in this age. I'm not just trying to look for ways of escape so I can just get by without smelling like smoke. I'm just, oh God, how can I just, how can I get free? How, how, all this pressure that's going out there. With all this stuff I'll talk about being job losing and all this stuff going on. All these natural things, we have to become assignment focused. What does your assignment require? Do it. Whatever the assignment needs, you do it. That's kind of the mindset we have to take place. So again, I have to go to the commander-in-chief and say, what would you have me do? So now, let's continue on with this. But again, he talks about having the truth wrapped around your heart. That's how we move forward. What does the truth do? John 8, 32, look at this in the Passion. It says, if you embrace the truth. Can you say that with me? Embrace. embrace. What does embrace mean? Is that you actively have to reach out and you got to take it and apply it to your life and see it now living as not just a cool concept or a cool thought of the day. It now becomes part of who I am. I embrace the truth of God's word. And what happens, the more that I embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. Not just a freedom, open for summer type of freedom. I'm talking about true freedom that only Jesus can bring. See, again, we're depending so much on the external. We're looking too much undependent upon what they're doing out here for me to live free. I don't need what they got. I got Jesus on the inside of me. His truth wrapped around my heart. I'm light and easy. Why? Because I took upon himself my, his yoke, his burden of responsibility. He's easy to please. I'm here on an assignment. What's my assignment? Well, that's my own personal assignment. You got your own. 
figure it out. But what do I need to do? I need to get my heart wrapped around with truth on it, and I need to continue with this truth. The truth, this is huge for us. And what is truth? Really, the Greek word for truth brings out this thought of it's a reality. It's the reality. So again, embracing the reality of Christ brings more and more freedom into my life. Colossians chapter 3, I don't have this on the screen, but if you would turn there and read a couple of those verses, Colossians 3, 1 through 3, it says, Now that you've been seated with him in heavenly places, set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth. Why? Because you've been dead to this earth, and you are now alive with him. My new reality, my reference, my form of reality is his That's where I am. That's who I am. I'm in Christ Jesus. He's in me. The greater one's in me, and I'm in him. So what does that mean? My reality shifted. I'm not the sick trying to get well. I'm the healed, and the devil's trying to put something on me. It comes up from a completely different way of living. When you start operating from the realities of Christ, that's who I'm with. Church, we got to wake up to this. Because as long as we keep living on this day-to-day type thing, hoping that something changes, and just looking for God just to show up and do something mightily, we're going to miss it. We are the church on this earth, and my identity is not found here. My identity is found in Him, and I'm in here to release the atmosphere and the culture of heaven. That's where I'm from. I'm an ambassador temporarily sent here for an assignment. Now, as long as I keep having that mentality, heaven's going to just flow through me continuously. That's what heaven wants to do. Heaven wants to take over. How does it take over? Through you and I. Wherever we go, we release heaven wherever we go. Now, the reality of Christ that I need to embrace, and this is something that just came again in in me this past week, and it's very simple. You've, You've heard it many times, but again, I want to remind you, what's the reality of Christ that I need to embrace in my life? Is that Holy Spirit lives in me. Say with me, Holy Spirit lives in me. This past week and over the, about, probably about 10 or 11 days, I've just been saying this to myself. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who's living in me than he that is in this world. Greater is he. And all of a sudden, I was standing in my living room and I said, greater is, great, greater is he that's living in me than he that's out. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Greater is he that's in me. Doesn't matter what they do out there. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. It'll dawn on you. It'll, it'll, it'll come on you. All of a sudden, you start sitting, you start thinking, man, the greater one lives on the inside of me. It changes everything. Woo, it don't matter what goes on out there. Why? The greater one lives in me. <laughs> and let's talk about him. Now, living a victorious life in this earth is being aware of his presence 24-7 in my life. Now, what is he wanting to do in me? This is the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to just list off a few things for us. Number one is this, is that he takes the role of who Jesus was to his disciples, and now he fulfills it to me. What did the disciples have with Jesus? They had a friend. They had a teacher. They had someone who was with them. Well, 24, not 24 7, but he was with them. He was around them. He was explaining truths to them. He talks about God to them. He revealed the Father to them in a beautiful way, right? He comforted them. He revealed truth to them. He showed them things to come. He talked about things that were going to be coming down the, the pipe, right? Did, right? Right? He demonstrated love like you, like none other. I mean, what would it take all of a sudden for this guy to walk up to you on the beach and says, follow me, that you drop everything, and now you go and live with him? He provided for them, took care of them. Master, what are we going to eat? Well, what do you got? Let's take those five loaves and two fishes, and let's just break it. And we, got, we had enough for 15,000 people? Ha, ha, ha. 
This is who Jesus was to them. And now look at these verses in John chapter 14 and verse 16 and 7. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another. I like the way the Passion Bible says, another Savior. And that word another simply means this. Not someone of a different kind. It means the exact same quality, the exact same. It'd be like this. Hey, could you throw me another piece of fruit? If I had an apple in my hand, and I'd say, can you throw me another piece of fruit? If you threw me a banana, it'd be another fruit, but of a different kind. But what Jesus is saying here, he said, I want you. Now, again, I have this apple. If you threw me the exact same kind of apple off the same type of tree, this is what Jesus is explaining. He, I'm going to give you another of the exact same kind. He looks like me. He tastes like me. He smells like me. He thinks like me. He talks like me. He acts like me. It's the spirit of Jesus. He said, I'm going to give him to you. And he's not going to just be around you. Listen, the Holy Spirit of truth who will be to you a friend just like I was. Then he says, and he will never. Come on, say it with me. Never. What if it gets crazy out there? Never is he going to leave because something's hard. He's never going to leave no matter how ungodly the world is. He will never leave you. Woo! Greater is he. Come on, say it with me. Greater is he. Okay. He says the world won't receive him because they can't see him and they don't know him. But you... You know him intimately because he remains with you. Notice this. He's going to live inside of you. Right now what you're facing, guess who you got on the inside of you? You got another savior just like Jesus was. And who was he? The Amplified brings it out, kind of the Greek words for it. A counselor, a comforter, an advocate, an encourager, a helper. Everything you need to know, he's there. He's right there. What I got to do? Just access them. Just talk to them. Start talking and start listening. Secondly now, what's the Holy Spirit doing in me again the moment that I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior? Who's done that? All right. This is what he's doing. Secondly now, what is he doing? He's now revealing heaven's reality. This is his job. Look at this. John 16 verse 13. It says, when this truth-giving spirit comes, what's he going to do? He's going to unveil the reality of every truth, where? Within you. Every reality of every truth. What do you want to know? What do you got questions on? Because there's, listen, there's a thousand and one questions that could be asked. Guess who you have on the inside of you? You have the great revealer himself living inside of you. And he will not, 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 27, talk about this, that you have an anointing from a holy one. And he leads you and he will know all things. So your confession is, should not be, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. Maybe you don't know what to do. But there's someone who lives on the inside of you who knows exactly what needs to take place. Oh, church, if we would just access him more regularly, we would see amazing things take place. And that's why I want to stir this up on the inside of it again. The Holy Spirit is the most ignored person, not only in the church, but on this planet. He's here. You go up to heaven, the Father's on the throne. Jesus is at his right hand. The church is there too. Where's the Holy Spirit? He's not there. Where is he? He's here. 
He's on this earth. And what is he doing? Still drawing men to Jesus. Still revealing the goodness of God to people. That's still what he's doing. He's uncovering darkness. He's bringing his light. He's bringing his word. He's revealing the gospel through you and I everywhere we go. This is his job. So what do we got to do? I got to pay attention to him. I got to take heed. What are you saying? So again, how are we advancing? How do we move forward? With this truth wrapped around my heart that I have the greater one living on the inside of me. It's not, oh God, could you do something about this? To go, Lord, what do I do about this situation right here? He's right here. He says this, he won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and I love this, and he will. Say it with me, he will. Come on, say it again, he will. He will. He will. Not maybe, you know, if he feels like it. No, he will. He will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. That means nothing has to be caught off guard. <laughs> He's going to tell you about it. He will. I love those words. You see it. He will unveil the reality. He won't speak of his own. He will reveal prophetic who it is to come. Look at verse 14. He will glorify me on this earth, for he will receive from me what is mine. And what's he going to do? Come on, church. What's he going to do? He will reveal, he will receive from me, Jesus is saying, what is mine, what I have, what I'm doing up in heaven. And what is he going to do? He will reveal it to you. He will. So you take that. What, what is my confession now? Lord, you are revealing to me what I need to know. You are revealing to me what I need to know about the future, whether it's for my family, whether it's like friendships for my kids, whatever it is, you are revealing that to me. I believe I received that. And a lot of times I just sit quietly, Lord, show me some things. That's what he wants to do. He's just like Jesus. Now he, instead of being outside of us, he's inside of us. Now, verse 15, he says, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me. That's why I said that the divine encourager. You feeling a little down? Let the Spirit of God encourage you. The divine encourager will receive what is mine and he will reveal it to you. So can you see what the Holy Spirit's job is? He's the great revealer. What does that mean? He wants to take what's hidden and what does he want to do? Come on. I can just, I can see him on the inside of me. Come on. Come be with me for a little bit. Take some time with me. I got to show you some stuff. Oh no, I, I got, I got a binge on Netflix. I had a real rough day at the office. Come on. I want to show you some stuff about your business. I want to show you stuff about your finances. Oh, God, I got to walk the dog. Get over here. I got to show you some stuff. Oh, Lord, it's, it's just too busy. Did you hear what the premiers did? Do you hear that we, what you know? Do you hear, do you see what's going on? Come on. I want to show you some stuff. Can you see this? Meanwhile, we're so distracted with here. Meanwhile, we have no idea what God's doing. And we go, I wonder where God is. He's trying to get you with him. Why? I want to show you some things. I want to show it to you. But get off the distraction and let me show you some things. We know more about the natural world than we do the supernatural church. And that ought not be. This is where the whole paradigm shift has to come and take place. I'm not here looking again for a supernatural existence out in the natural. I've been temporarily sent here and I'm supposed to know this stuff. This to me is the most precious stuff so that wherever I go, I now release what I saw in secret. Okay. Thirdly now, what's he doing in me? 
takes the role of who Jesus was and now fulfills that in me. He's revealing heaven's reality. Thirdly, he wants to fill us up with heaven. This is what he wants to do in this time. When we get with him, he wants to fill me up, not with more news, not with more COVID talk. Dear Lord, I hate it. What do I want to know? I want to know what he's doing. I want to know what you say. I want to know what you think. I want to know what you're doing. So rather than getting all my focus on the natural, again, not saying we don't ignore all the things that are going on, but I'm saying I have got to get my news from him. I've got to now release another reality of wherever I'm going rather than just, I said, you hear about the news? Nothing. Church, that's what the world's doing. We're called from a higher place. So I want you to look at this. This is what he wants to do. Fill us up with heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. Look at these verses. It says, every time. Now, this is after Jesus rose from the dead, from the dead right? He arose. Now, he was, appeared to his disciples within a 40-day period. He was in and out. He spent time with the disciples. And he started teaching them about the things or the ways of the kingdom of God. Right? Okay. Verse 6 now says, every time that they gather together, the disciples, the 11 disciples, they continually ask Jesus. I said 11 because, remember, Judas killed himself, so he ain't there. Every time they gather together, they ask Jesus, Lord, look at, look at what's on their brain. Questions reveal where people are thinking and where they're at, right? Lord, is it time now for you, for, for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? Perfect timing. <laughs> is it time for that yet, Lord? Is it time? Is it time? Are you going to free Israel? Are you going to restore your kingdom? Now are you going to do all this? Jesus answered, he said, The Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You are not permitted to know the timing of all that he has prepared by his own authority. But verse 8, you look at this. But he says, But I promise you this. I want you to hear King Jesus. I promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. So again, what's on the disciples thinking? Are you going to do something about Rome? Are you going to just knock those suckers out? Are you going to boot them off the face of the planet? Get rid of them. And Jesus said, I promise you this. You don't need, don't worry, that's, that'll be taken care of. Right now, I need you to be seized with power. Why? Because you are now my witnesses. What do I want you doing? What do I need you to be taking part of? Releasing a whole nother dimension into this 3D lame world that's out here. This world is so lame. Like L-A-M-E, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Capital L-A-M-E. It's lame. In fact, it's even too slow for God. <laughs> God travels 183,000 miles a second. Did you know this? That when, uh, when you pass on and go to that realm, it speeds up mightily. <laughs> Faster than the speed of lightning. This world is slow and dull. It's lame. Heaven is... And here we are. Oh, God, help us down here. So what God is trying to do and what he's trying to represent, he said, rather than focusing on this, I need you to be seized with that power from up there. He says, and you will be my messengers or my witnesses or my martyrs to Jerusalem throughout Judea, the distant provinces, and even the remotest places on this earth. Notice what Jesus' mindset is on. What is Jesus focused on doing? 
get seized with power. Focus on getting full of power. Oh, ready? Okay, now look at this. Let's look at the church's birthday. Ready? Acts chapter 2. Turn there for a moment. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is when the church was birthed. Right? Jesus already, John chapter 20, remember, he breathed on them. What did he say? Receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, they were born again, the Bible would say, or they became new on the inside. They became what we would call today Christians because they got reborn on the inside. But now Jesus told me, says, don't leave, don't do anything until you are seized with this power from on high. That's what I need you to focus on, church. Listen, this is the message to the church. The early church is the same church today in 2021. Come on, y'all. This is Impact Church is the exact same as that church in Acts chapter 1 that we just saw. Now, the church's birthday, look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, on the day of Pentecost was being fulfilled. All the disciples were gathered together in one place. And it says, suddenly, say with me, suddenly, they heard a sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house out of the heavenly realm. This is what we're here for. This is what this church exists for, a glory place, a glory center. It's a glory house. Why? That the sound, a different sound comes from this place. We don't sound like them. What do we sound like? We sound like him. We open up ourselves. Let the sound of heaven come mightily rushing in. We don't need more talk out there. We know what they sound like out there. We need a new sound. Where does it come from? From heaven, where you and I sit. That's why we talk a little different here. Maybe you walked in and thought, these people are a little bit nuts. Yeah, but you know why? It's because we don't sound like it from out there. We come from a different realm. Our operating of thinking, our operation of talking is from a totally different realm than the one that's just naturally out there. That's why we sound different. That's why we need to look different. Listen, people need you. This red deer needs you. They need you different. They don't need you echoing what you hear out there. They need you full of another sound so that when you speak, they go, whoa, what, 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 where did that come from? What's this? What's up with this? What's up with this? And you can start revealing the goodness of God from another realm. Now, the roar of the wind was so empowering, it was all that anyone could bear. Verse 3, then all at once the pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were all, now I want you to notice again, this is the focus of the church. This is what Jesus desires his church to be in these days. Filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit. And they were inspired to speak in tongues. Empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages that they have never heard of before. Now, again, if you kind of read on to this, all of a sudden, the people that were all there, they came again for the celebration of Pentecost, and they're going, we've never heard anything like this. How can we hear these untrained or unlearned men, and they're speaking in our dialect, our languages? And what were they saying? They were saying things that glorified and magnified God and all that he did through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. We haven't heard anything like this before. And then some people went, oh, they're just, they're just drunk. Silly, silly men, just a bunch of drunk, drunk guys, 120 of them, just drunk. They're just, they're losers. Look at this, verse 14. Peter said this. He stood up with the 11 apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully. My fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, you need to clearly understand what's happening here. What's happening? Verse 15. These people are not drunk like you think they are. So they are drunk. They're acting it. Something about them. This crazy joy came over them. <laughs> okay? For it is only 9 o'clock in the morning. Too early to drink. 
Then he says, verse 16, this is the fulfillment of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel, for God says. Now, I want you to read these verses because it says this. Just as much as we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we heard what the, the bad side is doing, right? It's going to go from bad to worse, right? I want you to see this. It says this, this is what I will do in the last days. What days are we living in? Now, again, this is, this is 2,000 years ago, but notice how the Holy Spirit said it. The last days began when Jesus rose from the dead. At that point, when the church began, is the beginning of the last days happening. Now, you and I, we are on the very toe of the very end of the last days. <laughs> are we not? <laughs> okay, so what is God doing? The world, we know what they're doing. They're nuts. What is God doing? In these last days, I will... Say with me, I will... What is he going to do? I will pour out my spirit on everybody and cause your sons and your daughters to prophesy. Woo! What else is he doing? And your young men, they will see visions. Expect that. Your old men will experience dreams from God. Older men, expect that. We need what God showed you. You're not done because you're old. We need you. We need those dreams. We need those things that God's showing you. We need that. When I say me, I'm talking my generation. We need that. And you young men, don't discount. Well, I'm, not, you know, I'm not really old enough in age. It doesn't matter. God's going to give you vision. Vision. You need vision to perish. Or sorry, vision to go forward. Without a vision, you die. He's saying you need this vision to see. You need this vision to move forward. What kind of world are we living in? In a world with no vision. COVID has sucked the life out of everything. And now the churches, people, we're all just not sure what to do, except let's just do a bunch more stuff and see if that pans out. We need vision, and the church is here to establish it. That's our job. So men, get that vision. Old men, dream those dreams. Get that hope way up there. Give that hope. Give a message up here. This is a dream that God gave me. And man, I saw... People flocking to the kingdom. I saw your kids coming. We need that hope getting up because in a hope-deprived world, what do we need? Old men to dream, young men see. We need it. Don't just limit it to men and This is women too. And then he says this, and your old men will experience dreams for God. The Holy Spirit will come upon all, okay, with me, all my servants. That means those that have dedicated themselves to the assignment that he gave them. That's me. Anybody else in this room? That's you. That's me. That's you. What are we saying? God, here's my life. What do you want to do with it? How can we reach people for you? Your love is still reaching. What do you want to do? He says, on those people that have dedicated themselves to me, God says, men and women alike, they will prophesy. And because they prophesy, look at verse 19, because these men and women speak out boldly for God, it says this, I will reveal startling signs and wonders in the sky above and mighty miracles on the earth below. Blood and fire and pillars of clouds will appear for the sun will be turned to dark and moon blood red before the great and awesome appearance of the day of the Lord. Verse 21, and the reason for all this is that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Church, what are we doing? We got to get our hope up. We got to get our dream up. We got to get our vision back. Not just hoping for all this to change. It's not. So what do we need? The church has to lead the way in this. And what I will not do, I will not participate in a natural battle. I will not fight a natural man or a natural woman in anything that's going on. And neither should you. 
the division that's taking place, all of that is to separate, leaving you and I with no hope and no vision. Stop. You have a vax? Fine, you don't. Who cares? But the world wants to just, can you see it? It's the same spirit all the way around the world. It's the same stinking religious spirit that is only saying, this is the only way out. It's not with God. Think bigger, think higher, think from that realm of way up here. It's not your only way out. This is limiting God. So to be on either side and be on the ditch on either side, it's arrogance and it's pride both ways. Stop it. It's not helping. It's not going forward in any kind of way. What do we do? We wrap the truth around our heart. What's the truth? I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. God, what do you want to do in this situation? Let that be your God. Let that be your leader. I'm preaching to myself here too. Because it does not matter what they do in natural sight. It's ridiculous what's going on out there. And if the church just, well, we're going this way, stick with God. Stick with Him. Now, this is the church's birthday. Then Acts chapter 3. And actually, before I just do this, in saying all of this, you know, the devil is trying to stop the spread. The spread of the gospel. The spread of the church moving forward. He's trying to stop the spread of people being filled with the Spirit. So what has he done over these past years? I mean, just don't get political now. Think of what he's, tr- what he's tried to do. Churches were shut down for two and a half months. Then what happens? Put a, bu- put a mask over the church's face to keep them quiet from what they're wanting to do. Don't think, it's not political. Don't get political on me. Look at light versus darkness. He's trying to shut your voice down. Okay? Get it from a perspective up here, not left or right. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Go from it from a higher perspective. Look down on the situation and go, oh, okay, devil. There you are. If I pick up that, oh, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to keep the church from moving forward, from the people from hearing the good news of the gospel. That's what you're trying to do. And you're trying to make people sick. Amen. Nothing's changed. There's nothing new under the sun. He's tried this he, over and over the generations. You, you read history, you find we're... We, this isn't new. <laughs> but if we can just really now uncover and go, oh, the enemy behind us, oh, it's not the government. It's him. He's the one acting behind all this. Sure, they yielded to it, but oh, it's the enemy. Now it changes your stance. It changes your act. Now, rather than hating somebody, I'm actually going to pray for them. Lord, they need to see it. Because eternity is a long time. <laughs> and this is very short. Okay. So again, we see in Acts chapter 2, what is God doing in these last days? The focus for the church and moving the church forward is be filled. Filled, filled, come on, say it with me. Filled, 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 filled. Filled with what? Filled with the Spirit of God. Constantly filled with Him. Then in Acts chapter 3, we know that there was a lame man that was laid there at the gate called Beautiful Daily. And what happened, Peter and John, they were walking to the day of prayer. And all of a sudden, they were, this guy asked, hey, do you got any money? says, silver and gold, I don't have anything on me like that, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And what did they say? In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And this man has never walked a day in his life. Grabbed him by the wrist, picked him up, and all of a sudden he started dancing, leaping God, and now the crowds came and went, what's this? Can you just think, it didn't matter what was going on outside in the external realm at that time. What happened was, we saw this guy, and he was lame every single day. People brought him there every single day. I saw him. He asked me for five bucks every time I pass him. Every time I pass him, and now he's standing and walking and leaping and praising. What is this? 
Now, notice, I want you to just see this verse in Acts. Oh, no, that's not it. But anyways, they said it's not us. It's not by our holiness. It's not by who we are. But it's by the name of Jesus that we have faith in. And then what happens, Acts chapter 4, guess who's mad? The religious leaders. People are ticked off. Why? Because you disrupted the way of life. You've disrupted the way that we do things. You've disrupted. This guy's supposed to be just sitting here regularly, and all of a sudden you've raised him up. Now people are celebrating and talking about this Jesus. You've disrupted our town. Church, guess what we're about to do? Disrupt the way Red Deer operates. And how are we going to do that? By being on Jesus' side. (laughs) Not about my politics. It's about the one in whom I serve. He comes and changes everything. And I want you to look at this, Acts 4.13. Again, this is now after they threatened him. They said, no, you're not going to preach anymore. Don't talk anymore about this. It says the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage, Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. And they began to understand the effect that Jesus had on them by simply spending time with him. The effect that Jesus has on me. Woo! Come on, think about that. Just the being with him. Remember in this time right here, in this secret time, in my alone time, in my bedroom time, in my time with God that nobody else knows about, it's just me and him. I do weird stuff with him. Man, I'm dancing, I'm yelling, I'm crying, I'm weeping, I'm laying, I'm just, I'm doing all these. It's me and him. Just me and him. Have this time. And it says this, the effect that Jesus has on them because they just spend time with him. My life is radically changed because he had an effect on my life. That's what I want affecting my life. You can choose what you want affecting your life. I'm not going to let the external affect my life. He is going to affect my life. How does that happen? Church, we got to spend time with him. Now let's flip here. Acts chapter 4. I want you to look at this, verse 23. And it says, As soon, again... They saw that they were unlearned and they were amazed at what Jesus did with them and had the effect on them. They says, don't you ever preach in that name again. They threatened them. It says, the Bible says, harshly. So they used a lot of nasty words. <laughs> you ever bleepity bleep do this and I'm going to bleepity bleep do that and I'm going to whoop bleep 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 and do this and don't you ever do that again. And notice we didn't go, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, okay. No, it says they went back now. As soon as they were released from custody, Peter and John went to the other believers. Other translations say they went to their own company. What company do we got? We got a Bible-believing bunch right here. Their own company. And it says they explained all that had happened with the high priest and the elders. And when the believers heard their report, they raised their voices in unity and they prayed, Lord Yahweh, you are the Lord of all. You created the universe, the earth, the sky, the sea, and everything that is in it. And you spoke by the Holy Spirit through your servant David, our forefather, saying, How dare the nations plan a rebellion, ranting and raging against the Lord Most High. Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the kings of the earth take their stand with the rulers, rulers scheming and conspiring together against God and his anointed Messiah. That's what it is. What you're seeing now, that's what it is. Now verse 29. They pray for the very thing that got them in trouble to begin with. Don't you ever speak in that name again, Jesus again. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Now they say, empower us, your servants, to speak 
the word of God freely and courageously. Verse 30, stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. What do they ask for? Give us more boldness. The devil tells you, shut up. What do you say? I want more boldness. Bring it. Bring it on. Verse 31, guys, go back to verse 31. And it says, at that moment after they had prayed, it says, the earth shook. I feel the earth move. That's my mom's influence on me. (laughs) Carol King. Is that right? Yeah. That and James Taylor are the only songs that I would. Okay. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building that they were in to tremble. Each one of them, notice again, what were they again? Each one of them was, come on, y'all, what were they? Filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit, and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. Whoo! I think the church is waking up. I don't know about you, but I think all this stuff that's going on, I think it's just, hey, you just waken the beast. You've awakened the church in a really good way. We're waking up. We're woke, y'all. We're, yo, we're woke. <laughs> now, if the church, if we would just yield to the Spirit of God, take time to get full of Him and give Him space to move within us, He would do amazing things. He would What does he need? Somebody who's attentive to what he's doing. Like, think about that. That's all we need to know is, God, what do you want to do in this particular situation? And have this so tuned up, my spirit with his spirit. I'm so in tune with what he wants to do that all of a sudden he says, step here, I step. Say this, I say this. That's how this relationship works. It's not me just trying for things. It's me going, God, what do you want me to do in this particular situation? I'll do it. In closing, let's turn to this last scripture, Ephesians chapter 5. And it says, how do I now, how do I be filled? If filled is what God is doing in these last days, how many of you have been, seeing past tense, have been filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay. Now, did you know because we being natural human beings, we need to be refilled again? Why? Because we got leaks We still live in this body, and there's a lot of leakages to this body. So what do we got to do? We have to continually be filled, refilled, filled, and refilled, filled, and refilled again and again and again. I remember hearing people, this was, this was again, a while ago. Well, man, I don't know how that, you know, that, that person is. They're a spirit-filled believer. Not at that time, they were not. Well, I speak in tongues. Does not mean you're filled right now. So when was the last time that you were filled with the Spirit of God? Judging by your silence, it's been a while. (laughs) Or maybe you're just thinking, or maybe you're just remembering it in a quiet state of Selah. But you and I, this is one thing, I remember reading this in one of Smith Wigglesworth's book. He says that you and I, we have the divine, not only the divine privilege, but the divine responsibility as Christ's representative on this earth to be filled and filled again with his spirit. It's not just a luxury that we have as believers, although it is. It is a complete joy. When you get filled with the presence of God, with the spirit of God and all that he is, remember, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. 
Man, I, I had to go into it this, this past week for myself, just with everything that's, like, Lord, what do I got to do when all the pressure comes in? I'm going to just get alone with you, and I'm going to just get filled with you. <sighs> what do you do? How do you do that? How do you get filled again? Do you have to wait for a church service? You can do it on your own. And Ephesians chapter 5 really brings it out in detail. So look at this, 5 verse 18 through 20, clearly lays it out. But this is our assignment. If we want to be what Jesus needs us to be on this earth, rather than just playing church, I need to be filled. He says in, in the Amplified, I'm reading it to you, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, and like this one, it says stupidity. Don't get drunk with wine. That's stupid. It makes you do stupid things, right? Getting drunk. Anybody been drunk before? I'm the only one right. Okay, there's three other hands. Okay, thank you for your honesty. What happens while you're, when you're drunk? That, I know that was, that was the old man. They're dead and gone. But do you have a recollection of what that was like? You said things. Your filter was gone. You acted a little bit crazy. You laughed. You did stupid things. Was there a care on you? Not till the next morning. Dear God, what did I do? Oh, man, I was stupid. Why did I do that? So there's regret after this. So he says, I remember hearing this. Mark Hankin said this. God never intended for you to go through life sober. That's why he gave you the Spirit of God. <laughs> Ain't that good news? So he says, don't get drunk with wine because that's stupid. But he says, but... Be filled with the Holy Spirit and be constantly guided by Him. Okay. Now, how do I do this? Speaking. Everybody say it with me. Speaking. So he's talking about being filled. How do you get filled with wine? You glug, 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 glug. Right? You, you have to intentionally take something and you have to intentionally drink it and you have to intentionally swallow it. So that it gets into your system, right? And once your system has more than enough and it goes through your blood, what happens? You get intoxicated. Well, it's the same way. I remember, again, Mark Hankins always said like this, Jesus never told you to come to me and think. He told you to come to me and drink. So when you get with Jesus, don't kind of go, oh, this is kind of stupid. Why, why are we dancing to that song? And I think, dance. It's part of drinking. It's intentionally doing something to take it in. I don't see the point of that. Well, stay sober. Fine. Stay sober. Stay sober and miserable. But when I get over in the Holy Ghost drunkness, man, it's a good time. Sometimes you got to get ugly for Jesus and be okay with that. You can't lead people you've never been to before. You're just going to have to do it. Okay. I'll continue reading. Is that more comfortable for us if we just read more scripture? Okay, I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> All right. Verse 19, again, he says, speaking. Again, say it with me, speaking. So how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with Him, led by Him? My tongue is, needs to be used. You know, the psalmist says that my tongue is ready like, the ready, or like the pen of a ready writer. How you write with ink on paper is how we would write something down. Well, the Bible talks so much about, well, speaking and talking. And why is that? Because your tongue is the pen to your heart. So when you want to speak, when you want to get filled with something, you've got to start speaking, writing things on your heart. So he says, what do I say? Well, speak. He says, you can do one to another. 
in Psalms. What Psalms? They're songs. Those are just songs. You can just sing songs, right? He says next, or hymns. And you could also use spiritual songs. What's a spiritual song? It's singing in other tongues. Or it's making one up as you go along. My daughter London is so good at that. I love putting her to bed. She gives me, gives me two options. Do you want to hear the song on um, diamonds? Or do you want to hear a song on, and then she sums, I usually pick whatever one she likes. And they're about five to six minute long. I put my head on her stomach and she rubs my hair. I'm putting her to bed. Not this is. I, I should almost flip this around because this is really good. But I put my head on her stomach and she just starts rubbing my hair and she just starts singing this song and it goes into how much I, like Joel, am loved by God to how precious diamonds are in the sky. Like it goes from A to Z in six minutes and at the end of it you go, whoa, I'm, what was said? I have no idea, but it was good. Well, it's the same way. You could just start singing out of your own heart. Does it have to have a melody? No. Just start singing, Lord, I love you. And just make up a song to him. He loves that. And what is it doing to you? You're drinking. Drink the Kool-Aid. Drink it. It's for your own good. So as you're singing this song, what are you doing? I'm drinking. Then he says this. Offering praise by singing and making melody. Now notice this, with your heart to the Lord. My heart's engaged. It's not just me singing out of my head, oh yeah, whatever, Lord, I'm just talking. No, it, it comes like, Lord, I love you. I, I thank you for who you are. And you can start off just talking. It can turn into a song. Usually a lot of times I just sing songs that I really like. Like the one that we sang just earlier. The one like, your, your blood still speaking. That one, I really like that one. I just say that to myself all the time. Your cross. Still, my, it's my freedom. You're, you're, it's, I just start saying it to myself. And what happens? You start drinking a little bit more. And what happens? The more and more you go, the more and more you want. Okay, the more and more it is. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Before you know it, you go, greater is he that's living in me. Woo! And you're all by yourself. And then you don't wake up with a hangover. You wake up going, whoo, man, that was good. I got to do that again. You can get drunk every day. You can get drunk on your way to work. Get drunk at work. People come into your cubicle. What are you doing? Oh, just getting drunk, man. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Woo, glory to God. And you can just, I'm not talking about being weird now. There's, I know there's weird Christians, and don't take that. that don't be weird. But you pick up what I'm throwing down? This is the whole focus behind this. And then lastly, verse 20, he says, always giving thanks. Always. Come on, say it with me. Always giving thanks to God the Father. Because we're in our Lord Jesus Christ. Always give thanks. Lord, thank you. What are you doing when you start? Lord, thank you. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my home. Thank you. God, I came here in a car. Or maybe you came here in a van. Thank him for that. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for whatever it is. Thank you, God, that I've got clothes. Thanks that I have a pillow. Thank you. Thank you. What are you doing? You're drinking. You're drinking. You're drinking. This is what David had to do as well. You see this all from the Old Testament going into the New. But this is what God wants His church to be in these last days. So filled with Him that wherever you go, people can squeeze you and out comes Jesus. I'm going to put more pressure on you. Jesus. I'm going to say this about you. Let me pray for you. Then you're messed up. I know. Jesus loves you. And you're going, what's going on with me? And you find out now the Spirit of God is now controlling every part of your life. That's what I want. 
Anybody else want that? That's what I want. Red Deer doesn't need more Joel. They need Jesus. They need Spirit of God. So I got to yield to him. Can we all just stand for a moment? Wow, would you come? Thanks, man. Can we just for a moment? I want you to just start drinking at church. Are we okay drinking together? Anybody got a drinking buddy beside you? Why, it's my drinking buddy. He plays a really good key. I want to drink with Wise. So what do we do? We just start, just start opening up your mouth. Just start thanking him. You can just start singing to him a new song. Just start singing a song that you really enjoy. Just start doing something and allow him to fill you. Can we just make you a little bit more comfortable? Let's just put up our hands together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we lift up our hands to you, sir, just to say how much we love you. How thankful we are to you. Thank you for the blood.